So this is the inaugural podcast of <laughs> Memory Tracks, episode one. It is the very beginning of the month of October, and God. I have my good friend Stuart here with us. Stuart, welcome. Welcome Thank to the you. show. Thank you, Harrison. Yeah, it's kind of a strange, bizarre thing. Stuart and I go back from working together um, the past couple of years. He is not of this country. That comes from <laughs> Scotland. I guess he's got some sort of paperwork through marriage. Haven't seen any of it, so I can't, you can't prove, prove it. it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's okay. I, I trust him. Um, and today uh, we are going to try out the concept for this show. So, kind of the premise of this is to basically have guests come on and talk about songs, talk about music, talk about the meanings behind these songs and music. This is not a what's your top song, what's your favorite artist, what's your best thing that you've ever heard or anything like that. This is more of a, hey, let's pick and talk about three songs that mean something to you, that recall back a feeling or emotion or a very specific memory. Could be tied to your childhood, could be towards you know, a more recent event or occurrence or something very exciting, something very tragic. Um, or something, you know, specific to the music itself in a particular line or instrumentation that really means something to you and will basically stay with you potentially for the rest of your life as you go back and listen to these songs mm -hmm. and hear them and call back to it. And it's kind of funny and it's actually really special to have Stuart here as the first guest because this kind of came to me as an idea, as a concept uh, back when we were talking about music. Um, I think I've had many drunken conversations trying to convince <laughs> Stuart of how genius <laughs> Kanye West is and how important all of his music is to me and the various reasons why. Um, and over the years, you know, that's talking about music has been important to us. And uh, he shared with me a podcast uh, called, was it Desert Island Discs? Desert Island Discs, yeah. It's, it's uh, 45 years running with the BBC. It's a long time. Yeah. Well, we're sort of we're more than 45 seconds running right now, <laughs> so we're catching up. Um, but yeah, so th this that podcast, you know, he, he kind of explained it to me as the concept of bringing on, you know, various artists and musicians and uh, political figures, yeah. actors, different types of people, um, like you said, in the BBC, and them talking about, you know, particular tracks that they would bring with them to a desert island. Um and, you know, I've, I've listened to that podcast. I've enjoyed it. Uh, it certainly serves as an inspiration to me with this. But, um, you know, hopefully this is a little bit different, a little bit fresher uh, for, you know, what, frankly, selfishly, I'm interested in. Uh, if you don't like it, that's fine. But uh, I'm excited to do it, to try it out. Hopefully they'll get better. I'll become a better host and <laughs> we'll have better guests because, you know, this is just... <laughs> <laughs> Um, Who's the dream guest? Uh, well, I don't know. I haven't decided that yet. But, uh, for yeah. now, it can be you. So there you go. <laughs> Started from the bottom, and hopefully we'll get there. Um, but anyways, so um, I don't know. Before we jump into it, Stu, you know, this is probably a part that I might edit out here. Mm -hmm. um, but I did, before we kicked it off, like say that, yeah, we could probably riff a little bit longer. And I feel like I've nervously been talking a lot and you've interjected somewhat here and there. Uh, but I'm definitely interested kind of in your perspective because you are part of the beginnings of this idea and uh, I wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't for that conversation that we had had. So, uh, hmm. you know, what do you, what are you looking forward to about, um, you know, sitting down and chatting? Um, so firstly, I think people like talking about themselves. So it, especially music, people like to share their opinions, their views. They want to tell you how great the music they like is and know that they're going to be heard and that it might make someone go and listen to it. I think that appeals to people. But also just, I was always fascinated by Desert Island Discs and I think I said this to you at the time when I recommended it and there's probably four or five people we, we worked with together that I recommended it to. There were certain people and I can... I can quite clearly think of them and Dustin Hoffman always jumps out as one, <laughs> which is so bizarre, but I don't know if there's a Dustin Hoffman, like I've seen him in some movies, but I don't think there's a movie of his that jumps out. I have no particular interest in Dustin Hoffman, but I remember listening to his interview on Desert Island Discs and when I left, I felt like I had this real, really clear picture of who he was. It sort of sounds cheesy, but I feel like music 
hearing someone's interest in music and the story behind it is very insightful, very telling. He, at one point he was crying and I found myself feeling emotional and then the song that followed and he explained it and I kind of felt how what he had described, like how it uplifted him. And I just feel like it, it's something kind of special, music. And actually when, when you asked me to do this, which by the way, I'm very flattered to do it, um, but instantly there was like, I, I could think of 10 songs that I could quite clear, at least 10 songs I could quite clearly tie to very specific moments, not just a person or even a significant moment like, you know, getting married, someone dying, losing your virginity. Like just even sitting in the back of the car in Norway when I was 10 and my mom used to listen to Celine Dion's album. Like, <laughs> in Norway. Just, <laughs> I lived there for 18 months, I was 10. I don't like Celine Dion, but I could just instantly put myself in a very specific moment. Yep. Um, so I think the idea of hearing, A, explaining some moments of mine that aren't Celine Dion, just to assure you and anyone who's listening to this that they don't have to listen to Celine Dion. But I think just the chance to sort of shed, share some of that about me is kind of exciting. Yeah. And I'm also curious to hear other people's. My natural thing is to wonder what yours are, which yeah. I hope will be something you'll do at some point. Eventually, yeah. Um, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, totally. I love that. Um, it's funny, like you sit down uh, in front of a microphone and you put it... Uh, something very like uh is it extemporaneous that's probably not the right word but just like the pressure of not knowing exactly what you're going to say and then to start (laughs) to say it and initially to be thinking about this is being recorded what is it going to sound like what is it going to feel like did i say the right thing the wrong thing and you can kind of get into your own head but then you start actually going in a direction and just becomes natural and uh I think we just captured that in a good way, so that was cool. So oh, thank cool. you, thank okay. you for sharing that. So I think that's a good, good way to kick it off. Um, and you know, as a part of the show, before a guest comes on, um, the plan is to have the guest kind of share three songs. Um, there's no guidelines for what the songs are, um, what they mean, what they're going to talk about, but give me a little bit of prep time to read into that and familiarize myself a little bit with the songs um unfortunately i didn't do that this time um (laughs) one Stu was a little bit late getting me those songs um yeah and two you know while i've heard all of these songs and like these songs um and they are pieces of great music um you know obviously i want to know Stuart's connection to it and so it felt a little bit inauthentic to try and prepare in any sort of way um you know i have a couple of facts that i might spat off here and there for some context back towards the more factual stuff with the music but the purpose is not really about the songs themselves it's about uh, you and your experience and what those songs evoke for you which I think is really you know a powerful human connection to have I think a lot of people judge music based on uh, the way people write their lyrics and this and that and they interview artists and they ask artists what these songs mean when they wrote them because they want to know the facts behind it um but for me, I've always been much more interested in what the songs mean to me, um, and that's kind of what we will explore. So let's kick that <laughs> off uh, with Stuart talking about the song Ez from Stevie Wonder, of course, from the great Songs in the Key of Life. Yeah. Um, 1976, I think, is when it came out. Is that when it came out? 1976, yeah. yeah. And the I the, don't remember 1976. The one, <laughs> the one cool fact that I did look up about this that I really liked, uh, that I didn't realize, and should have, because I'm sure you know, Stevie Wonder buffs as as there probably are many out there. Uh, Herbie Hancock actually plays the Rhodes piano on that song. Which <laughs> I didn't is know that. <laughs> pretty awesome, because I mean, Herbie Hancock is the man. Of course. Um, and so that's kind of cool. And uh, it's fun to go back and listen to. Hmm. Um, so tell me your, you know, why you picked us. Walk me through it. Yeah. Um, so just the first thing on the note of songs in the key of life. I went to see Stevie Wonder live last year at the Frank Irwin. Is it Frank Irwin Center? Mm-hmm. UT. Yep. Here in Austin. Yeah. Um, and the whole show was songs in the key of life just start to finish. Which is kind of cool, uh, and maybe this is me going off on an annoying tangent, but I've never seen a co- a gig concert where they just played through an album. Mm-hmm. And I know that you went to one recently. Mm-hmm. Was it Bonnie Vera where they played through a brand new album? Is that they correct? did? Yes, yeah. But yeah, I just thought it was kind of interesting, and it it was a kind of weird experience because we have this sort of idea of this format in our head of they come out and they'll play a hit, 
and then they'll play something a little bit more low key, and then the, they know when everyone's going to lull a little bit, and they'll play another hit. Blah blah blah. But it was just interesting anyway. Um, but this was probably this was the highlight for me when he played this. Um, reason I picked this song. So, interestingly, you just mentioned it there on lyrics. As I look at this now, I don't. If someone asked me to repeat the lyrics, I wouldn't be able to do it. When I'm singing along, I I know ninety percent of them. Right. But if someone asked me what they were, just sitting here now. I wouldn't know what they were. I've got, you've got them in front of me, but it's just it's just feel good. Like that's the really short version. It's it's musical, which hopefully will be a theme in my choices and is hopefully a theme in the music I like anyway. It's just musicality, um, emo- some sort of feeling. Like it makes you want to dance. It makes you want to move your shoulders. It makes you smile. I can't imagine listening to this song and not being happy and not feeling good. Um, in fact, I actively seek out this song sometimes for sort of a, a lift. Um, so that's the sort of short answer of how, how it makes of part of why I chose it. There are also sort of reasons beyond that. Um, I associate this song and S- Stevie Wonder's music very clearly with a period in my life from maybe 14 to now, but especially 14 to 20, where I would listen to a ton of Stevie Wonder and um, it's a period of my life that, as I've got older, I've realized was very was was unique. And and in theory, every part of your life is unique. We're all you know everything's unique. But I'm never going to be in that place in my life again where I would see my best friends every day, where one of us had just learned to drive and we would just go and do dumb shit and just hop in a car and listen to music like this and have fun and hang out the windows and go and drink beers and go and swim in the. It just it just. When I hear this song, it remind a it's uplifting musically, but b all the memories I associate with it in that period of my life is just a very happy, carefree time. It's about genuine friendships, close bonds, and sadly, you know, life takes over. Sorry, now I'm rambling. No, you're good. Life takes over, and everyone goes their separate ways. I was back in Scotland two weeks ago, and one of them's got well, two of them have kids. One of them's moving. One of them. You know, the economy is a mess in my home state. Like, there's all these other factors and all these horrible things that people are thinking about. But this just reminds me of a window where we're all insanely happy and carefree and dumb and young. Um, Do you share that song with, with some of them? I don't even think they yeah. would know. I yeah. think if you played some Stevie Wonder music, they would know. Um, I don't know if this song would jump out for them because the reason that this one stands out for me in addition to that is... I've always, this song's always reminded me of my mom. Um, so when we would listen to Stevie Wonder in later years, in that period I'm talking about, I'm like, oh, I like this song. This reminds me of my mom. So it would probably jump out more for me than it was for them. Yeah. They'd probably think of five songs. They'd probably think of Saints Hill Deliverance, like Superstition, Master Blaster, maybe, I don't know. Um, so yeah, it's, it's probably a little bit more, it's weird that they probably wouldn't hold it in the same regard that I do. Um, but that sort of adds to it for me in a yeah. weird way. Do you wonder, like, it's as you say that it's, I mean, again, you're like really hammering on the point of why I'm interested in hearing this because that's something that you've probably never openly shared with them or talked about or discussed. And, you know, if they, if I put this out there and they end up listening to it, I wonder, it would be interesting, like, if they would hear that, go back, listen to that song and, you know, connect with that and feel an appreciation, but then also be like, it's funny you mentioned that because I actually have the same feeling about this particular song right, right. and, you know, that artist and that, and then how that could essentially spiral up more similar experiences through other music and, you know, create that kind of tangent of uh, musicality that, that I think is really cool. Yeah. And it's funny, just, and it's funny that you went there because that's exactly what I was thinking is if they heard this, and hopefully some of them will hear it, they're going to go, really? At least one of them, probably yeah. all of them are going to go, what? <laughs> What's he on about? He's full of shit. And, and maybe a couple of the songs I mentioned, especially the more sort of well-known Stevie Wonder songs, they might have that moment with, as you put it, and they might run away and go, actually, that sort of reminds me of blah, blah, blah. Right. But yeah, interestingly, I, I, I bet you're right. And I bet that if they're listening to this, they're going, God, I don't even remember that song. <laughs> But do you want to know the funny thing as well? The reason that this reminds me of my mom and the reason that it was such a significant song is because, oh God, this is bad. My mom, my mom 
had George Michael's greatest hits. Yes. And he, he covered did a cover the song of this with uh, it was a duet, right? With someone really good, female uh, vocalist. Who was it? it? Wasn't like Janet Jackson. Or was it Mary J. Blige? Or Mary something? J. Blige. Is it Mary yeah, J. Blige? It's Mary J. Blige. Yep. And and just to be clear, the George George Michael's actually quite a strong like, vocally. He's a good singer. Yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna put it this way. You're not gonna get a wham song next in my three. <laughs> just just as a warning. Um, but yeah, and I was like, oh, it's kind of catchy. And then I heard the original and I was like, wait, I know this song. And the reason I knew it is because my mom listened to the George Michael version. I was like, wow, this is so much better. <laughs> 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 this is so much uh, better. That's um, awesome. But yeah, that's what sort of separated from the crowd for me. So Yeah. It's funny you, you brought up the, um, the Stevie Wonder show last year because I also did go to that. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, for me, and I won't dive into it too much in this. I'm sure it'll come up later, but. Uh, you know, music has been one of the ways that, you know, I, I get a close association to my parents as well, similar to you with your with your mom. And then experience in Stevie Wonder, while there's not necessarily a particular song or significant moment uh, between my family uh, and Stevie Wonder, it's still an artist that you know that people, uh, that your parents love. Like, I mean, how can you not love Stevie Wonder? Everyone loves Stevie Wonder. And yeah. I remember um, for, I believe it was Christmas, like two years ago, um, I gave them a pair of concert tickets to that show in Houston. Oh, um, nice. And they went to it and, uh, you know, they came back and said what a good time it was and how much they loved it and how they were dancing. And my dad, my dad never dances, but he was getting <laughs> up and, you know, it was just fun. And um, he's definitely, I mean, obviously Stevie Wonder is one of those artists that I'm sure you could do hundreds of episodes like this just on Stevie Wonder songs yeah. and connections that people have to it. Um, and, and actually on that note, Honorable mention. Can I honorable mention? Yeah, that's fine. Um, Master Blasting, open brackets, jamming, close brackets. Okay. I fucking love that song. It's yeah. A great song. Which record is that one on? Do you remember? It's not. It's not on Songs of Key Life. I don't know which record it's on, to be honest. Mm. But it's a fantastic song. He has yeah. But to your point, he has like, and it was considered, but he has like fifty songs. Yeah. 30 songs I know that you could that you could hear on, on versions of this I mean just that record alone is I mean as is on side it's like track three on side four of the, <laughs> of the record like so you're already like an hour and 10 minutes deep into Stevie Wonder and it still hits you every time you hear it it's crazy it's a good great song uh great stuff um cool anything else you want to say about that I was just going to make one more comment on yeah. the note when you said parents so and this will this will um I guess not be clear but I'll explain this later with another song but my dad always through my entire life and again I'll explain later but especially as a child my dad always would was listening every Sunday he would disappear into the lounge we had like the nice lounge that no one used you know there's there's the living room connected to the kitchen it's like a sociable area and there's the lounge that's only used for special occasions mm -hmm. and no one ever goes in there my dad would sit in there every Sunday <laughs> I think they call it the den yeah, yeah it was kind of like the nice lounge. We would call it the nice lounge, okay, which yeah. is quite insulting to the lounge we did use. But <laughs> he would disappear in there every Sunday and he would just pace around the room listening to music. Um, and he, he's always been a massive fan of music and listened to quite an interesting range of music. But my mum has just sort of been like, ah, ah, you know, I'll pick up Rod Stewart's new album. or <laughs> So she'll probably be surprised to hear that there's a song that I associate with her if she listens to this. That's cool. That probably pleasantly surprise her, even if it is a different artist doing a worse version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. maybe I'll have to Skype with her and uh, record her version of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> See what she has to say. Yeah. Um, cool. Love it. Um, so for the next song, we're going to go into, <laughs> it's funny, when I think of Stu and I think of music, it's like Neil Young, Neil Young, Neil Young. <laughs> <laughs> I've never met a more crazed Neil Young fan. Yep. And this is somebody that owns the Neil Young Pono MP3 Tomblerone candy bar MP3 player bullshit that he invented a while ago. I actually own that. Um, <laughs> and I don't attend a candle to Led <laughs> Stewart. Uh, hold a candle. That's whatever the phrase is. Do you is. actually own one? I do. It was given to me as a gift by my dad. Um, and it was is really, your dad a Neil Young fan? He is a Neil Young fan. Nice. It's actually, yeah, that's probably one again for another podcast, but uh, he loves Neil Young. Uh, it's funny. He always prefaces it with, 
you know, I don't agree with all of his politics, but no, Neil Young doesn't. really is. <laughs> like, well, he's not really American, so, I mean, you don't need to necessarily agree with his politics. He, um, <laughs> just on that note, that... Um, I probably will is edit it that po- out. Is it Pono? Is that what it's called? <laughs> <laughs> Pono. Yeah, yeah. P-O-N-O. That's, his, that's Neil Young's justification, which with most artists I wouldn't believe, but in his case I do. Um, but that's his justification for not having his music on Spotify or even Apple Music. Yeah. He has this massive thing about sound quality and how it's compromised um, in all these various forms that, you know, that, that we consume it. I think it's a cool thing that he feels that way. And uh, it was actually, it was a really nice gift that my dad gave me. He's one of the like, first people to purchase the like launch of the things. Mm. And so it's, it's a special thing to have. I don't you know, use it as much as I would because I've got my phone and other sources and I don't have good enough ears to check for audio quality, hence the no. nature of this podcast <laughs> and what you're hearing out of your headphones right now probably. Um, but I respect that he's still trying to make an impact in the music world um, and feel strongly about it, whether or not he's right or wrong. He's the like, real deal. It's, he's the real deal. He's a legend, of course. So <laughs> the song that you've picked, um, well, I'll let, you, I'll let you tell us about it. Yeah, it's um, Words. I hate when a song has brackets and then has, <laughs> just like Master Blast in this case, it's between the lines of age. I always feel like there's something kind of stuffy. It's a cop out. They can't come up with what's going to nail it, so they just have two names. I hate that. I just refer to his words. <laughs> yeah. It's the last song on Harvest, which I suspect is probably the Neil Young album that most people know. Yep. Heart of Gold's on there, Old Man, mm-hmm. Need All the Damage Done, and so on. It's the... Uh, the post Crosby Stills Young Young Nash breakup album. That's right. right. Like yeah. It's right uh, after they ended this is Harvest comes out. Yeah, yeah, that feels right. Yeah. I mean it's a legendary it's a, certainly his biggest selling album and has his most what I would consider his most successful songs on it. Um Yeah, so why'd I pick this? God. So here's the thing. I said this to you before we started. I could have had three Neil Young songs in here, <laughs> like happily. Uh, I could have fifteen Neil Young songs in here. So I guess there's a broader question first about why Neil Young. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, hey, you say whatever you want to say about it. Okay. Neil Young is completely legitimate. He, throughout his career, he has pissed off so many people. He walked away from Crosby, Stills and Nash. He's gone back and forth with Crazy Horse, Crazy Horse, which is his touring band for a long time. He's now with Promise the Real, which is Willie Nelson's nephew. Mm-hmm. He could dump them at the side of the road tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And he it's never personal. It's purely creative. And I'm not some like whimsical, like I, I mean someone like you can appreciate so Kanye is a good example. There's something about Kanye that you appreciate and find in him. Maybe it's and it's respect on an artistic level and this sort of creative level that I, I don't really get as you sort of alluded to earlier or directly addressed earlier. Um, but with Neil Young, I, I sort of get it. He, he, he'll move on in a heartbeat if he feels like it's creatively the right thing to do. He'll, he toured, at one point he toured with an anti-George Bush, anti-war album. And people queued up. They paid a ton of money to come in and watch him. They want to see like Keep On Rocking, The Free World and Heart of Gold. And he did 14 song anti-George Bush songs. <laughs> and he was literally booed off stage by his own fans. And this, on, he did it in... Was this she, the first election? Uh, yeah, I can't remember if the, this was... I don't know what year this was. And actually there was a gig in Houston, Crosby, Stills and Nash joined him on stage. And they did like 14 anti-Bush songs and they were, they were throwing like balls of piss. <laughs> and stuff. But the point is, he, he's completely authentic. He it. does not give a shit. He... In the 80s, he fell out with, um, it was Asylum Records, um, David Geffen, Asylum Records. So obviously there are all these sort of like singer-songwriters from the 60s went to David Geffen for this creative freedom and they released all this amazing music, blah, blah, blah. And then when he sold to, was it Warner? I can't remember. Anyway, Neil Young, big fall now. He had a contractual commitment to two albums and he released one, um, it may have been on the beach, which is a fantastic album. It's an mm, amazing yeah, album. One of the best, right? Oh my god, yeah. amazing album. I can't remember. It may have been on the beach, maybe another. I can't remember. But the point is, they came back and they were they're looking for harvest with a rocky feel. They being the record company, 
and they get all after him and this isn't a rock album and he's like I, like I'm an artist I, I dictate what my music is and what a rock album is and they kept pushing on him so he released an album called Keep On Rocking just to piss them off it's the <laughs> shittest album ever. and it's the only album he has on Spotify he, he, he is the best and on the front he's a he's like some horrible like 50s like pastiche like awful quiff like in a diner doing like a one-legged hop with the guitar it's such an f you to the record company oh, because he will not bend on it if he doesn't believe it's the best thing to do he is the best i love him he has a completely in my opinion unique sound vocally which just appeals to me he's done some great some of the greatest like protest songs ever which you know there's something stirring about political music mm -hmm. his latest offering about the pipelines fairly shit as a song <laughs> but i just love that again he feels creatively that's what he feels strongly about he's gonna release it, yeah. he does it yeah um i'm just sort of going on a massive gush about neil young now but oh well, i knew it was coming yeah exactly you knew it was coming his range <laughs> of music he has something beautiful and sort of melancholy like after the gold rush which again is kind of political and this mm -hmm. sort of environmental mm -hmm. message it's piano based um and then he has and then he's his nickname for a while was the godfather of grunge like he was worshipped and admired mm. by pearl jam and nirvana bands that i think are okay they're not my cup of tea but my point is his range of music and his range of influence and style is is so broad yeah and, and i don't think people really realize or recognize that like i don't think they I do mean, he, obviously neil young everyone knows the name most people don't know the records outside of like you said harvest or yeah you know some of the the greatest hits compilations you know that come exactly. out or rest never sleeps like um but it's, how it's many people have album. ever really spent time myself included there's so much i think it's just his, his catalog is so overwhelming he yep. spans so many decades yep and to your point like he would pop up out of nowhere and release something that would influence a huge amount of musicians and then they would take that and run with it and people really didn't if you weren't a part of that moment, then it was hard for you to kind of connect with it and you didn't even realize that it was happening. But, well, I mean, Rockin' in the Free World comes out in, what, like the late 80s, something like that. Sounds and it's about like right, yeah. Neil Young, his time was dead and gone, and then he comes out with the most popular rock song of the 1980s. I another, mean, another that's arguable, obviously, very much so. But, I mean, but like it's, an it's an insane song. Thing. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. It's, he's an it's, old man. Like, it's he's not even American. He's not even he's American. He's a Canadian. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. And actually, the first, the second line of that song, um, Red, White, and Blue, like, it's a, it's, it's a statement almost on American politics. And he's, to your point, he's not American. Um, maybe I feel a kinship with him there, that we're frustrated by American mm. politics as outsiders. But anyway, um yeah, he, but he comes in, to your point, people probably see the, the, the sort of byproduct of that or, or the end result of the, they could see the grunge movement and they don't know that, I mean, look at the last line of Kurt Cobain's suicide letter. It's better to burn out than to fade away. It's a Neil Young lyric, right? Yeah. It's a, it's an ultimate homage. If you look at, um, is it Eddie Vedder, the main guy from Pearl? Eddie Vedder. Mm -hmm. yeah. Induct him into Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, worships Neil Young, loves Neil Young. And in fact, if you want... Just if anyone's sitting in front of YouTube, and you should do this one time, if you just want a reminder that Neil Young, again, long hair, acoustic, but it can just fucking rock, like totally rock out sometimes, which is more recent shows and later work is, it's just his guitar sounds awesome, by the way, just on the bigger Neil Young thing. Mm -hmm. Go and look up, keep on rocking the free world at one of the big like award shows in the early 90s maybe 92, maybe it's, I don't know if it's the Grammys or MTV Awards or one of these things that honestly Neil Young didn't, isn't really that kind of mainstream artist. I mean, he's very well known, obviously, but not, certainly in that window, that wasn't yeah. his lane because he had sort of disappeared. But he comes out and does keep on rocking in the free, free world of Pearl Jam. Just, and he dominates them. And they're like peak power, you know, talented guys, whatever. He comes out and he's just a force of nature. <laughs> he is, I love the guy. I need to see that, yeah. Oh my God, go and watch it. And while you're at it, one more, and people are sick of hearing me speak about Neil Young. One more. We're not done because you can't even talk about the song. He does. Go and look up when he does All Along the Watchtower with the Boss, Bruce Springsteen. Okay. It's on YouTube. He comes out. The Boss is obviously like ultimate showman. Right. You know, he's got this legend. insane, yeah. yeah, legend, like 35 piece band. He's got the brass section. He's got, he's got the sax and so on. Neil Young is like some sort of weird, like 
he, for, force of nature is what comes to mind every time I see it. He comes out and dominates it, and you see Bruce looking at his band, and they're all just like totally blown away. Yeah. He's awesome. He is awesome. That's great. I love it. So anyway, words. <laughs> um, I find it a really interesting song. It's really... Have, have you listened to it recently? I have, Hashem? yeah. I listened to it this morning. The rhythm and pacing of it is really interesting. It changes time signatures there. Right. right. Yeah. And that, I find that really interesting. Again, lyrically, if someone asked me to list them, in, or not list them, but recite them in advance of listening to it, I couldn't do it. But when I listen to it, I can sing along. Um, I've never been a lyrics guy. I think you and I have spoken mm -hmm. about this. Some people yep. are into the person who sits and strums a guitar and listens to every word mm -hmm. carefully. I'm more about feel and this feel. It feels that person might be listening to this right <laughs> that now. That person will definitely listen to this. <laughs> and I, I share some of his likes. Uh, I can't music. wait to have him on. I can't wait. Yeah. There'll be a Anyways, theme. go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like I get that. And there's some really interesting lyrics in here. Um, but it's more, music's more about a feel for me and experience. And mm -hmm. I know that sounds kind of self-important. Yeah, but um, Yeah, it has a really interesting feel. It feels very dramatic as a song. I think the pacing contributes to that. Um, but something I would I would like to highlight, and I said this to you before we started recording, there's a version. So the this version on Harvest is about seven minutes long. There's a version um, from the documentary, and I told you the name of the documentary ten minutes ago, and I've forgotten. Mm. That's gonna drive me nuts. That's okay. Um, I told I said it to you like ten minutes ago. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Anyway. It's easy to find. If you if you look up on YouTube, it's yeah. one of the two or three things that comes up, I'm sure. Um, it's 15 minutes long, which is not a surprise. Oh, the for, song is 15 minutes Yes. Long. It's yeah. not a surprise for a live performance of yeah. a Neil Young song. Yeah. <clears throat> I saw him do Down by the River live, and it was 24 minutes. So That's insane. Um, but anyway, this version from the documentary is 15 minutes. About four minutes in, he actually, because he's working with the band, and um, he, he actually pauses for maybe 30 seconds, and they're chatting which kind of adds to the appeal for me as a fan mm -hmm. and also adds to his guitar and his voice are, are far from perfect, right. which is part of the appeal. And having this sort of beautiful 15 minute piece of music with actually this weird 30 second awkward pause, it's kind of like an amplified version of that imperfection, like this weird pause. It can be a pain in the ass when you're in the car and you're sort of into it. But the last seven minutes or so of that live version that are almost entirely instrumental, it's so dramatic. It's it's wonderful. It's beautiful. I, it just every single time I listen to it, it does a ton for me, and it's probably my favorite seven minutes of music that I could ever listen to. That's awesome. Yeah, um, it's just wonderful. It's beautiful, and again, Neil Young, beyond all those reasons that I love him, and this, he's just I think he's the real deal. I think he's authentic. I love such a range of his music. There's also the sappy sentimental thing that uh, you know will be a theme for every single person you speak to i'd imagine mm -hmm. of my dad loves neil young um the first time i saw neil young live my dad and i and it was actually the probably the last thing and again a few people maybe heard this heard me say this the last thing i did before i moved here from the uk and from scotland was we flew down to hyde park and watched neil young live in hyde park my dad and i um, and it was amazing. He Neil Young was amazing. He played what he wanted. He he, the, the performance was fantastic. It was a beautiful summer's day. My dad and I were completely smashed. We were drinking like <laughs> boxed wine. Yeah, my dad. <laughs> and like I I don't know. People, maybe people listen to this or like yeah. I mean, my dad go for beer. Like my dad. I have a great relationship. With my dad love my dad. Um, but it was also a sign of the full cycle I'd completed in my relationship with my parents of. Mm -hmm young teenager never really awkward fighting with my parents teen but you know you, you're yeah. never going to be insanely close right but then when you become an adult again you start to respect or not again but become an adult i think you start to respect what they were doing the work they put in the time they put in how difficult you potentially were at times mm -hmm. you start to see them more as humans and and remember that they were once 15 25 35 and I'd completed that cycle with my dad and I felt 10 times closer with my dad. So then to share this experience as well of the shared musical interest was really important to me. Um, yeah, and we just had some really, we had some really sort of frank and sort of really nice conversations when we were there, just sort of bigger philosoph philosophical things. So that was cool. 
Um, yeah, sorry. So that was... They, they, I assume he played that song at the show? I don't even remember. I was smashed. <laughs> 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 um, and that's, that's, that's a really great question. I don't even remember. You should look it up. Yeah, I really sure should. it's online somewhere. I, if I can look it yeah. up right now. But he... Um, I remember him playing a very rocky set because yeah. it was with Crazy Horse. And I know oh, now yeah. that he's with Promise the Real. Like when I went to see him here in, uh, or just south of Austin last year with my wife, he played this song. Yeah. Um, what year was that? Would that have been that you saw him? In, with my dad? With your dad, yeah. 13, 14, 13. Uh, I think, yeah, because I think that's when he had gotten, he went on the tour with Crazy Horse. That was the last tour with Crazy Horse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he came to... Uh, ACL, uh, and I saw him at the festival there. Oh, really? Uh, with my one of my good friends, Bryant, and, and we were like, we camped out, got to the very front of the stage, and you know, ACL's like a lot of teenagers, college kids, and stuff. Yeah. And then Neil Young comes out, and you look around, and it's like all the gray hairs, and yeah, and they're just so into it and pumping their fists, and I mean, it was it was insane. I can only, I, I'm sure that that experience was incredible, and. Yeah. To share that with your dad was pretty cool. Yeah, it was great. It was. Um, also, I like, um, I think if I was, I, I personally don't believe in like having a favorite song. I think, you know, it's like having a favorite color. Like that's ridiculous. Uh, there's a lot of things is to enjoy right. about right. a lot of different things and to spend too much time picking one is a waste of time. Um, but I think that if I was to list out like, you know, a hundred songs that are, are my favorites. Um, and then, uh, a vast majority of them would be album openers or album closers. Hmm. And, um, you know, I think that there's, I'm, I'm certainly an album listener. I listen to records straight through as opposed to like playlists or picking out yeah. singles and things and no disrespect to playlists. And I certainly listen to my share of playlists, but I like the idea of dedicating time to really get into that, full context and of the progression from song to song. And whenever you have a record that ends on like a really powerful note, typically there might be the longer songs, the ones with the jam sections right, or the right. outro or, or something, or the reference back to an earlier song. Um, those moments say like when they hit, they hit so strong. And I definitely do think that, you know, for, for this one closing out that, I mean, it's a great record. And uh, certainly an epic closer to that record. And one that I think you, when you hear the end of that, you kind of just take a moment to be like, that, I'm glad I listened to Harvest. Like, yeah, yeah, no, I, that's, I like that. It's very dramatic. Yeah. Very dramatic, yeah. yeah. Very cool. So we got one more. Um, this one is the shortest song. I think every other song is clocks at around seven minutes. And this <laughs> one is the classic under three minutes so we can keep it on a single 45 yeah, it's uh, old. in the 1950s um and it is the platters uh also another parentheses song right like isn't there there's an extra uh, only you, a, only you. Th there might be i think it's oh only you and you and you alone. alone no you're right yeah. you're right uh-huh yeah so <laughs> so yeah that's a theme yeah <laughs> so yeah platters um classic i mean what was this your first exposure to american culture or what's going on with platters as a young boy growing up in the 50s <laughs> <laughs> no yeah i so it's interesting that you say exposure to american culture it's because because the sort of what, sorry um what i consider quintessentially american or what i think of when i think of this sort of nostalgic idealistic view of america it's the kind of diner old school you know may i have this dance like sitting on the like just like a bad movie and i think this song in the 50s i think really summarizes that well mm -hmm. or represents that and i think that a lot of people i think they'll always be and i think especially now there is a fascination with the 50s and I think musically, people, there's more of a fascination with the 60s and 70s. And obviously, I mean, Neil Young's an example, Stevie mm -hmm. Wonder. Mm -hmm. But I think this sort of era and this sentimental, this idea of men were gentlemen, ladies were ladies, going to the diner and everyone, everything was sort of pure and nice. And I think people think of the 50s like that. And these iconic like, symbols of America and of American culture, like a light up Coke sign 
in a Cadillac with the with the teal you know with the teal trim at the drive-in mm -hmm. like that sort of a whole cheesy thing I think people love it and I certainly love it um and this song sort of represents that era or, or can represent that year I think it came out 55 57 um they have really beautiful songs um so so firstly it represents this sort of beautiful and idealistic view of America that I had growing up because and I've, this is a sort of grander thing but Brits have a fascination with America and I think a lot of Americans have a fascination with the UK as well mm -hmm. it's kind of like a two-way street um, and it takes different forms I think for some people it's Mickey Mouse and for some people it's LA and it's Hollywood signs um, for me I don't know how to pinpoint exactly what it was but it was sort of represented in what and how and how I feel when I th listen to songs like this. And the truth is, I mean, I've lived here for a couple of years now. I spent a year living in Florida. <laughs> like, I've never put pomade in my hair, <laughs> put on some spats, and like, you know, gone to the bop. You know? <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> I've never done that. I'm never going to do that. But <clears throat> I never say never. You never know. And actually, the fifties, if you think about it. Some pretty messed up shit going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. Like, you might want to reference the fact that it wasn't really that ideal for a lot of people, but... Okay. No, of course not. Of course not. And, and that's... But then how many of these things that we build up in our head, we put in a pedestal and hold as these iconic times? And yeah. you could get political on that topic, but, right. oh, it was better in this day and it was better in my day, whether you're 25 or 75. But the truth is there are a lot of people going through some rough as hell things, yeah. you know, and... This country. Well, and so, you know, I mean, it's, you know, all of the black groups in the 50s and the 60s and stuff, they were very much making this music to make white people think that, I mean, this wasn't the reason, but it's something to think about of like, if that was the way that you encountered with black people is that, oh yeah, they listen to, they make this great pop music and their voices are really nice and that's right. kind of their exposure. So everything must be okay because they sound so happy in their songs. Right, and right. it's like well, and to your point, like it it garners up these images of this like idealistic diner with milkshakes and soda fountains and the cute waitress that brings you your drink and stuff. Right. But but it's very much covering you know the kind of ugly truth that's actually there. Certainly, there's a lot of you know nostalgia, and I'm sure people have their own memories to great things that were in the right place at the right time and born under those circumstances in different ways and that's great but, but it is kind of interesting when you think like as, as a foreigner to like think that that represented what the american experience was well well so t i mean on the note of the, just specific to the players if they turned up in the said diner that we've just made up in our head like they wouldn't be welcome there in the 50s right. which is insane and messed up and thankfully this country you know has worked significantly past that um but yeah we're getting sort of deeper now but but yeah it's i, I get caught up in the whimsy of it all yeah. i don't know if you guys use the word whimsy yeah yeah it's a good one but yeah i definitely get it's caught up in, Harry sort of, in the whimsy of of what this sort of makes me think about in this idealistic 50s idea um and it's kind of a beautiful beautiful song it's the, yeah it's, it's beautifully does. performed i don't even know the the lead singer's name um I think Tony was, Williams. Is it Tony, Tony Williams? Williams? Yeah, it was written by their manager. I think he might have like written most everything. Really, I don't actually know the Potters that well, but this is my Wikipedia research before he got here. So, okay, yeah. I don't know them that well either. I, they have a few songs. Um, Smoke gets in your eyes. You might know as well. Is a beautiful song. Mm -hmm. They're just really beautiful vocal. You know who covered it twenty years later? What Smoke gets in your eyes or only you? Only you. Who Ringo Starr? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard it yet, but <laughs> oh, oh no, oh no! I mean, if it's anything like Octopus's Garden, I would sit. Hey, come I would on. spare your ears. Come on, Ringo, <laughs> bring back Pete Best. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's it, the performance is beautiful lyrically. Again, I I wouldn't sit there and think about what they are, but when you listen to it, you sing along. It's kind of just very um, pure and and warm and um sort of well and intentioned i guess it's mm -hmm. like it's just a nice i'm a bit of a romantic actually like my wife would probably my wife probably spat her a drink if she's drinking when she hears that um that doesn't surprise me but i'm a bit of a romantic yeah no i do i, I mean get caught up in what does 
It doesn't surprise me to hear you say that you're a romantic. Not that Shannon <laughs> my, wife, her drink, my wife's but... horrified. <laughs> what? But, uh, no, I, th- I think that's a trait that you have. That's fair. Yeah, I, I I get carried away in things for good and for bad. Um, and this is this again the idea of that vision, and it all sort of ties into the song really nicely. It just makes me feel good. It makes me think about my wife. It's it's just beautiful. Um, Question: Did you play it at your wedding? No, no. I, I, do you know? Interestingly, I don't know if she would even think of this song. Yeah. If I told her that I associated the, or maybe. Well, maybe she will now. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I think there are other songs that would spring to mind for her first, which I love. But um, again, this song I just listen to now and then. It makes me smile. It makes me happy. It makes mm-hmm. me sort of yeah, nostalgic and romantic, and it's just a nice song. Yeah. 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 You can't argue with that. I think. I think it's uh, it's definitely one of the. The classics again i could i could have gone with three neil young songs here and just pick like something acoustic and something rocky and but i decided to to try and put a range of emotions and styles in it if that makes sense yeah i like that i think it, that makes it interesting it gives you a better bit better perspective on kind of the variety of of what music can accomplish for someone yeah i think it's interesting when you know we've all some of us may be these people, some of us may have been these people in the past, some of us may know people like this, but there's the occasional music fan that is just like very much into one artist and nearly their entire musical ambition and experience throughout their life is so centered around that and they go on tangents, but it always is traced right back to that artist. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that, but for me personally, like I think that you can get very limited. Um, It's like people that say like, oh, well, you know, I hate country or I hate rap or I hate right. this and that. And it's right. like, well, I mean, you might not necessarily gravitate towards it, but have you truly considered other things? And so it's it's definitely more interesting to me to hear connections with more than just artists. And I know that you have a diverse musical background and that Neil Young is a huge part of that, but you certainly have challenged yourself outside of that. And I think that's interesting. I'm glad that you brought that to the discussion today. I also know that beforehand you were texting me asking me uh, can I do more it's an honorable oh, and I yeah. think there was like another six songs that you had sent all of which were not Neil Young songs um, but <laughs> you know and I think that's kind of one of the things that I did wanted to do with these talks is force that limitation of the three um, because you know like I said I, I'm not a big fan of picking favorites and um, there's these aren't your favorite three songs. These aren't even your favorite three memories or your favorite. Yeah. They just happen to be <clears> what you thought of this morning when you knew that you had to come bring three, and that's more interesting to me. It's much more natural to have those discussions and and talk about it um, and figure that out. So, actually, on that note, just a, just a thought, and you had said in advance, like the idea of <clears throat> three songs that are meaningful, um, and that we maybe associate with a time or a person. Like when I look at these, there isn't really like an, and I, I gave an example earlier of sitting in my mom's car in Norway. It was a blue Saab 900 listening to Celine Dion. <laughs> like I remember it really clearly. When I look at these, and maybe this, hopefully this is a good sign. I don't just look at it and go, memory X, memory Y, memory Z. Totally. Yeah. It's a mix of people, time, mm-hmm. context, emotion. I may have enjoyed it when I was 19 and I associate with this time and then it came back at 22 and then right. again last week. Right. And you could ask me to do this tomorrow and I'd pick three totally different totally songs. Totally different ones, yeah. Um, well, it's funny too because even like as I'm listening to you talk about different things then I'm thinking through, you know, what my three would be and that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I get ideas and I recall songs that I wouldn't have ever thought about, but then I hear something that you say that it triggers off that then right. takes me down a different tangent for myself and my own memories and my own thoughts. Um, and you know, I really, that's, that's what I want to do because it's going to do that for me and by putting it out there. And if people for whatever reason decide that it's a decent use of their time to listen to, and then can have that right. same experience, you know, maybe they know you, maybe they know me, maybe they don't know either of us. Um, who knows? But I think that that's what I wanted to explore is to try and give people that opportunity to think about it in a different way and then see what they can discover within themselves and within the music that they've experienced in their life. And I think it's a, it's a powerful way to explore emotions that has just enough of a guide with the context being music and art um, in that sense. 
it's that it, it can force you to have some different types of conversations versus just the traditional way of saying, tell me your favorite, uh, you know, memory of your mom or tell me right. who your best friend is and why and the first time that you met. Right. I think the idea of tying something to a piece of art that you had nothing to do with its creation, but then now it's created something for you that is totally independent to everyone outside of you and the people that you shared that with is kind of a cool thing. And then now you're sharing it with everyone else. So then it becomes something different. Um, but that's what makes it especially meaningful when you find it, so to speak, the idea that there is zero reason for, for when Stevie Wonder put together as in 1977 or whatever it was, there is zero reason for me to, for it to be associated with a, 17-year-old idiot in the northeast of Scotland in some town in the middle of nowhere in the back of a Volkswagen Polo drinking Strongbow. <laughs> but 17? Drinking Strongbow? Try 15, <laughs> if not younger. Different country, mate. But there is. There's something... It is, it is strange how a song that, in theory, shouldn't really have any association with that time or place or person can become such a massive part of that memory in that time. Right. And I have to say... And just, you know, sort of in response to what you're saying there, but hopefully people find something in it. As a minimum, I've found this incredibly therapeutic and meaningful. Like, how do you attack it? How do you go through it? And, ma and maybe this isn't something that you want to include, but do you approach it as, like, here are the three people that mean the most to me and I want to pick a song for each of them, even though that's hard to do? Do you pick it as, here are the three most meaningful moments of my life, which is also hard to do? Like, what's the strategy... So as is a sort of phase in a group and just a feeling, words, you know, is a, is a combination of an artist I love and people. I mean, this last one, the platters, is sort of like a grander thing. It's almost like this idea of my view of America growing mm -hmm. up, which may have led to my even being here in the first place. Mm -hmm. But then I never directly sat and listened to the platters and went, I'm moving to America. Yeah. But it right. just painted this picture of what America could be even right. if it's a completely false picture. Like, the, I, attacking this as, as a guest, finger quotes, is actually really interesting, but it's really therapeutic and enjoyable. Yeah. So Well, good. I'm glad. Yeah. That's uh, definitely a piece of the goal and something that I think I will look forward to every time I bring someone on. So Yeah. And who knows, maybe... Uh, We'll have more than 17 people listen to this and by popular demand, I think 17, we'll have to invite you back. 17 would be a, a really good result. Does it count if I listen to it five times? Hmm. Uh, cool. All right. Well, I think that's kind of a wrap for this one. I don't know how long we went, but it felt like it was a good.